Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Monday night edition of the Dunk Top Basketball Podcast. Starting our off-season preview series today. Got to get to the Indiana Pacers. Danny is going to hit me up with some Paul George fake trades. We'll see if we can come with anything that seems remotely reasonable. I'll pretend to be the Pacers GM. And also just talk about what they would do if they do retain George. Also got to get to Toronto. So many free agents for them. Cal Lowry, Serge Ibaka, chief among them. They've got more as well. They could be facing an enormous luxury tax bill. But first, we'll talk about this Golden State-Utah series. Golden State closing it out 121.95 they led by 22 after one and it was really looking like it was going to be just like that Portland game four Utah did get back into it early in the second quarter as that same unit again without Durant and Curry struggled pretty miserably but then uh, Golden State restored order there was one point in the third they Utah pulled within seven but there really was uh, never any time to sweat with George Hill missing his third straight game in the series so now uh did you have any other observations just on, on how this game went Danny I was really impressed with the fight that the Jazz showed I mean the one of the biggest disparities between this game and Portland was just that Utah kept coming even into the final couple minutes and I thought Gordon Hayward played well overall his his overall line didn't look as great 8 of 21 from the field 5 of 6 from the line but I thought he played well and then at moments I thought Gobert shined as well shined too the Jazz shot well on three-pointers early, ended 8 out of 27, and that continued a trend in which they shot extremely poorly on jump shots in this series. Golden State, for most of this run that they've had, has had teams shoot worse on jump shots than they normally do against them. Generally, that is an indication of luck, but it's been going on long enough with them, and they have long enough defenders, and they force teams to play late enough into the shot clock that maybe there is something there to teams shooting a worse percentage against Golden State. Maybe they're just their legs are tired from chasing Golden and stayed around it so much but I did think that Utah played better in the series other than the shot making than the 4-0 sweep with none of the games within 10 points would have indicated agreed and I also want to take a quick second to say how exciting it was to see Dante Exum have a really nice quarter in that second and granted some of that was going against the Warriors second unit which is not exactly stout defensively at th- those spots but I still loved seeing Exum bring that spark to the team yeah you see the quickness that Exum has uh but he still only has two moves one is go really fast in a straight line and the other one is cross over and then go really fast in a straight line <laughs> so uh and he, he had a couple of threes but you know that's still not really his game he has no in-between game he really could have had a much better game had he just made like i think he had four uncontested layups or, or mildly contested layups that he just missed and part of that again was golden states contesting at the rim and for the game the jazz shooting we mentioned the eight out of 27 for three they only turned it over 10 times which was good for them but they were a mere 16 out of 34 at the rim 34 shots at the rim is fantastic uh that's more than the league leader would have had this season although that was this game was played at a fast pace and then they were also two out of 12 on mid-range and they have some pretty good mid-range shooters on this team too these weren't all like really tough shots and then the threes i mean there were one out of seven on corner threes those are usually pretty good shots uh so it was a, a definitely a failure of shot making for the jazz in this game and in this series and you know i don't think that golden state's gonna be like in any trouble or anything but i thought their defense especially in the two games in utah was not as connected in terms of communication as it normally was but you know the jazz didn't have the firepower to really make them pay in the series and then the offense still was outstanding for the game golden state 122 offensive rate and their lowest offensive rating of the series i believe was 109 uh so they and this is a, a very good utah defense that they put
put up plenty of points on and again didn't turn it over hardly at only 11 turnovers which of course uh for golden state fans you're like oh we solved the turnover problem like no you didn't you just played utah and portland which are two bottom five turnover forcing teams but nonetheless a dominating victory for golden state and they are now eight and oh in the playoffs and like cleveland now they get about a week off until they play it's at this next series is either going to start on sunday or on tuesday depending on how long spurs rockets goes yeah i thought steph curry looked good he had really his first good game since game one when he had that ankle tweak now he's got plenty of time for that to rest up kevin durant can get some more rest as well sean livingston whose hand still seems to be bothering him and really the only thing you can look at for the warriors as an issue right now is that second unit and i thought that they would go with kevin durant to start the second quarter because he got two fouls early on and they actually just kept him out even longer because they had such a big lead i still think now especially with katie starting to roll on these isolations that they got to get him in with that second unit uh and that they can be a lot better that way and just rely on Steph and, and draymond to carry down the end of uh the first and third quarters for those looking for a much longer maybe not better but longer analysis of the second unit I actually did uh I think it was like a 14 minute locked on Warriors yesterday and the primary focus of it was figuring out concepts for the second unit for the Jazz uh, you know people were saying hey did Quinn Snyder not do that good of a job in this series like they should have been able to make this a little bit closer I I had hopes that they would George Hill going out was a massive blow to be sure they just didn't quite have the pick and roll playmaking Rodney Hood also not being Rodney Hood like the best form of him hurt and then he eventually had to leave the game early due to a sprained knee yeah he got engaged with with Kevin Durant on a contest and and Utah will do their offseason preview later but I honestly think they're not going to have much space to maneuver the fans were chanting Hayward Gordon Hayward trying to get him to come back and I think they just got to get these guys like guys like Favors who's still only 26 Hood uh George Hill if they re-sign him Exum who, who missed you know he hasn't had a full summer to just work on his game just get those guys Alec Burks maybe as well who you know is just a totally forgotten man and had to get shut down in these playoffs just if you can get those guys back to being healthy again I mean this team won 51 games had a solid point differential without getting really anything from Derek Favors this year you know Hood what did he play half the season Hill missed a ton of time I mean like and it was clear in this series that you know Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert were good enough and not everyone else was but if they can just get healthier I I think that they could be a much better team next year and maybe even a threat to get into the high 50s and wins and i really would like to see now the Derek favors and maybe that this guy is gone forever but the Derek favors who could post up against any opposing power forward that used to be there to put their center on favors and have a small guard gobert now with gobert's improvement i don't think you can get away with that anymore so now i think that front court could be extremely difficult to guard and then impossible to score on if you get those two guys out there and favors has a, the mobility that we saw from him uh you know a couple of years ago but maybe that guy's gone maybe alec burks will never come back maybe rodney hood is going to struggle struggle with injuries all year i mean he struggled both his rookie year and this year so uh it could be his maybe his whole career but between favors and hood they got to get those guys to step up to take the next step as a franchise because they don't really have any other ways to add talent other than deep in the draft maybe trey lyles is someone you could look at as well that could help solve their problems at the four if favors really kind of morphs into more of a backup center from now on but trey lyles isn't good enough defensively like that's the problem all their other power forwards can't stop anybody i don't want to get too down because i'm optimistic that they can keep this together but it it would be haunting if this series and the last series were the closest we ever got to seeing this jazz team at full strength yeah i mean really that clippers series would be the only one you could point to as really much glory because then george hill went down immediately after that so much more on the jazz later in the week we got some news to get to as well but first this from a new sponsor ball and branch b-o-l-l and branch that's how, how you spell it they will make you some awesome sheets and sheets is a product that shopping at the store just like doesn't really work you can just like put your hand you can like unzip that little container and like put your hand on there and you can kind of tell how it feels but you don't know how it's going to feel after you wash it you don't know how long it's going to last either you know it could be you wash it four times and then it doesn't feel the same or it gets holes in it or you're just at the trying out sheets just in the store is impossible and then there's the whole like thread count egyptian cotton like is there something special about it being from egypt that makes it better i don't really think there is but they charge more for that anyway you know i've slept on low thread count sheets that were really comfortable and high thread count sheets that weren't comfortable at all so really the best 
best way to judge sheets is by reviews and bull and branch has thousands of five-star reviews the new york times forbes wall street journal read about them three former u.s presidents have bullet branch sheets but most importantly you don't have to take my word for it or theirs because you've got 30 nights to try them and see for yourself if you're not impressed you can return them for a full refund and obviously they're putting it on the line here because if you return those sheets they can't get any use out of them but they know that you're going to love them and that they're going to be well worth it. They sell exclusively online. You don't have to pay the expensive retail markup, half the price and twice the quality. And perhaps the best part about them for some people is their sheets are ethically made. Everyone involved in the creation of their bedding has been treated with respect. So if you go to ballandbranch.com today, B-O-L-L and branch.com today, you can get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the U.S. when you use that promo code. Hey, guess what it is? Capspace, <laughs> which uh, of course we are talking about extensively as we get into these offseason previews for the Raptors and the Pacers. Ballandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch dot com get fifty dollars off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code capspace which will also let them know that you came from us what we have for news here before we get into uh, our off-season previews couple of pieces of injury news i think we should start out with the most important being the one on the player who's still his team is still in the playoffs Nene is out with a torn adductor muscle and that has ruled they've ruled him out for the entire playoffs yeah, that a similar injury to the one sustained by DeMar DeRozan early in the 14-15 season. Actually, I think it might have been the 15-16 season. I can't remember which it was. But in any event, that's a torn groin. Nene seemed to know it. He had to go right to the locker room when it happened on a pretty innocuous looking play, but he's struggled with some groin injuries. He will be a free agent. I hate to see that for him because he's had a wonderful year, uh, had that great series against Oklahoma City, and you know, he signed only for the room exception. He could have gotten a lot more, you'd have to imagine, unless... Uh, NBA GMs don't respect his game the way we do so we'll see what happens to him in free agency but for this series as long as they don't have any other injuries or foul trouble now of course which would be the other problem they basically have two bigs that they can play now in Capella and Anderson they're going to go with Anderson at center for half the game probably more than that and I think that actually might be more effective and then they've got Eric Gordon in the starting lineup so they got more shooting in the starting lineup too it could help them out in in the short term just because that but as you said foul trouble or subsequent injuries are going to be there because really Montrez Harrell is their only other option beside those besides those guys in terms of guys they can actually play at center yeah Harrell I think would be good against Golden State but he's just not big enough I think to contend and he just has no shooting range so he doesn't give you any stretch and then so he's really a traditional center but he's like 6'6 and so in the post he won't be able to contend with guys like Aldridge or, or Gasol other interesting news Rudy Gay who was due a little over 14 million next season of course suffered that torn Achilles had a, a player option of course was the 14.2 he opted out of that or, or he's going to it was reported that's not a surprise he's had already planned to do that really seems like he didn't want to be in Sacramento Vladi Divac said that he wanted him back but you have to imagine that there's almost no way that Gay will return to Sacramento at this point that certainly seems like the most likely outcome and his market is going to be such a challenge because not only do you have the, the coming back from an injury but Rudy Gay is a known commodity with a very kind of specific opinion and I think that while most GMs do not think about him the way that we do that there are certainly are some that way and he's also played on a bunch of teams so his market hit what he chooses in free agency in terms of years in terms of dollars is going to be fascinating to me yeah you have to imagine that even with the achilles he can get more guaranteed money than the 14 that he had maybe not as much on a yearly basis but you'd be surprised i think that that's guys coming off of severe injuries i mean we thought that about west matthews and west matthews who's a little bit younger than rudy got the max although obviously with the cap going up that soon became far less than the max with Dallas and had in fact multiple max offers so you have to imagine there'll be something out there for him as a really more of a four now a combo forward type uh can shoot the ball okay you I don't think that he is going to age too well now with, with this Achilles and he'll already be 30 this offseason so it's a, I imagine that whatever contract he gets is unlikely to be a value contract but maybe he comes back better than we expect and and that'll be a difference so and there are definitely teams that could use him I the interesting thing will be does he fall into you know the full mid-level exception starting at 8.5 
four million would he take that for four years with the player option does he is he going to want more than that then his options are really going to narrow because there aren't as many teams with cap space but he'll be one of the more intriguing free agents out there in other news luol deng had surgery to repair his right pectoral muscle he's expected to be ready by training camp but very odd here there wasn't any report that he had injured it or was suffering with this during the season and if they just shut him down in like february why didn't they just have him have the surgery then maybe he tried to rehab it and it just didn't work or something but very odd here to just have this just get dumped out during the middle of the playoffs when nobody seemed to have an understanding that he was injured super weird and i don't really know that it's kind of one of those things where you don't want to get too worked up because there might be answers to the questions that we have that are different than the expectations but considering everything you know if if the injury had happened further further ahead i mean why not use that time to recover well well, t how about this for teams if they want us to not come to conclusions like this then release more information so i mean we're acting on the information that we have available you know that's true how about you just like if there's information that makes you not look bad how you release that information instead of just putting out information that makes you look bad uh but of course now this could even complicate further the Lakers attempts if they want to clear salary by moving him and but nothing will be known we have no idea what's going to happen with them until we find out the results of the draft lottery what is that that's only like a week away now Danny I'm pretty excited for it yeah it's and we will be uh, we will be at Oracle for it so that will be fun that's too bad I was kind of hoping to do a Twitter NBA show for that but it would have been fun but that's the alas but we the other injury news we should do quickly is the Blazers announced that Alan Crabb will undergo surgery to repair a stress reaction in the fifth metatarsal on his left foot that's pinky toe correct uh yes that'll probably be uh likely a jones fracture usually fifth metatarsal is a jones fracture uh i think it's similar to the original kevin durant injury i think his was also stress related rather than than an acute break but perhaps that's why crab struggled in the playoffs as badly as he did couldn't hit a shot uh had a little bit of a disappointing year but ultimately you know ended up shooting over 40 percent on three-pointers which is what he's supposed to do certainly didn't look very spry defensively in that series against the Warriors so another one where if they're hoping to get off of that money and they could be looking at a potential luxury tax bill as well we'll, we'll get to them probably either later in the week or next week for their offseason preview but this will make it more difficult for them to move him if if they wanted to at least until uh he proves that he's healthy and that's likely I don't think a timetable has been released uh and usually it isn't until after the surgery but you're probably looking at you know an eight to twelve week type of recovery for him I would imagine the last little piece of news we can do and this is quick not because it is unimportant but because we already knew it was coming kyle lowry is going to opt out of his player option which was i believe 12 million and become a free agent but we knew that was coming yes we did uh that was a great contract signed by messiah jerry uh very early in the 2014 free agency process all right you want to talk a little toronto raptors here let's start with them it's really all about the outgoing free agents it's very difficult to imagine that they would have any kind of flexibility to add free agents at all but let's just assume establish where they're going to be in terms of space this season almost certainly they will be over the cap even if they were to dump Kyle Lowry Serge Ibaka Patrick Patterson and PJ Tucker their four free agents and just dump their cap holds they would only have 17 million dollars in space so almost certainly they will operate as an over the cap team Lowry probably the first domino in this because you start to wonder if they lose him whether it makes sense to kind of retain some of these other guys or whether you want to just rebuild around DeRozan and all those young guys they have which you know no future superstars in there but I think they got some guys who can be solid rotation guys um although if they rebuild around that then DeRozan is probably good enough to get them into the 30s and win so it's not quite a tank job so maybe they let all these guys go and they trade DeRozan as well that's one path Zach Lowe wrote a nice piece about that uh but i think more interesting for right now is if lowry stays he has over 10 years of experience and so he can get a contract that starts at 35.4 million that would be paying him if he gets the full five years over 200 million and he would be making 46.7 million in the 2021 22 season as a 36 year old woof and you're not going to be able to trade that contract either i mean later on maybe in the very early stages but that, that you know that's why 
why it gets really painful. And remember, the cap is not going to keep rising as fast as it has been the no. last couple of years. So this is not a circumstance where, oh, this contract is going to look so much better in three years. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, there's a projected 108 in the 2020-21 season. That's hard to say. Uh, and so paying Kyle Lowry almost 40% of your roster at, at age 35 or 40% of your cap at 35 is pretty difficult. The other issue, let's say they pay Lowry that $35 million this year. Serge Ibaka, his cap hold is about $18 million. Patterson 11.5 million Tucker about 10 let's say that just and just for this year they're able to bring guys bring all of them back for right around their cap holds which is kind of what I expect the, all of those guys to get as far as a starting salary if they did that and with their draft pick and just filling out the roster they would be 57 million dollars over the cap they would be 37 million dollars over the tax and that would mean that their team salary plus tax payment would be $280 million. So they will not be bringing everyone back from this team. No way, no how. How are they going to get out of having to pay that much? And if they want to go the route of retaining Lowry and trying to be as competitive as possible. They can do some cost mitigation. One of the benefits of Masai Ujiri doing a good job as their general manager is that they don't have a ton of onerous contracts, especially not onerous contracts if they're going to keep DeRozan. DeRozan's worth you know, he's having, having a nice year. So Corey Joseph is easy to move. He makes about 7 million and then has a player option for the following year for 18, 19. Yeah. He's a value they want contract. To, yeah. If they want to get out of him, they can. And remember when you talk about that luxury tax bill, they have a lot of guys on cheap contracts right now because they have you know, Norman Powell, Van Vliet, Siakam, Yaka Pertle, all those type of guys. So, which is yeah, nice ba- also because- Bebe, yeah. Bebe actually had some moments as a backup center. Sure. Earlier so this you have year, that, uh, but- Daylon Wright could make somebody a decent backup point guard. So maybe Maybe, maybe, and it's already interrupt you, but where I'm kind of going on this is that maybe it's like, all right, we're going to get out of Damari Carroll's 15 million. And to do that, we'll either give you a future first rounder or we'll attach Wright or we'll attach Joseph and hope that that's enough. Carroll has two years left basically at 15 million a year. Also, when a team is as capped out as they are and it doesn't really affect things, it some GMs can't do this just because their ownership won't, won't, aren't, is not willing to. They could also wait out the market a little bit and just see who has an injury and just freaks out and goes, oh my God, Damari Carroll is really going to help us because the luxury tax isn't isn't calculated until the end of the season. So if they move him during the year, that's fine. And they can they can go in that direction. And it's it's certainly an option for them. But then the other big domino is Valanchunas. And to me, Valanchunas and Ibaka are tied at the hip because if you bring Ibaka, while you could play both of those guys, you just don't have as much of a need for Valanchunas. But well, the complica- and especially against Cleveland, if they're still a stand- trying to go against Cleveland or Boston another team that, that likes to play small uh, right. and, or even and, Washington likes to play fast and small too and also you want to have a center you know you don't want to play, probably play Ibaka at center for the entirety of the regular season unless he's cool with that because it just put it, it can be more strain on him but they yeah, have but other they got guys to occupy, yeah they got other yeah they have right. other guys to occupy those minutes so it's not a big deal they can play baby they can play Pirtle they can go through all that the problems with trading Valanchunas are just the market for centers this was actually the inspiration for the piece I wrote for the sporting news about how I think it's going to be really hard for people to trade centers this summer was I had been looking at Toronto's offseason preparing my offseason preview piece and went oh crap who are they going to trade him to and then that inspired it and I think that somebody could materialize he's a talented player it's a reasonable contract but it is easier said than done now when what they're looking for is cap relief yeah that's a good point right they're not gonna they don't want to take anything back but just just so we get the math here I mentioned that 280 million potential tax bill if they were to just cut either Keller or Valanchunas, they lop 80 million off that tax bill already. So now it gets to be at least slightly more manageable uh, than it was before. And then, but really, I mean, you would think if they bring back, and you have to imagine like it's sort of Patterson or Tucker or, and Valanchunas or Ibaka, maybe that's what the, the calculation really is going to be. Um, Patrick Patterson, 28. PJ Tucker will be. 32 this offseason which of those guys let's say those guys both want a three-year 30 million dollar deal which might be too low for either of them but just thinking out loud who would you rather have going forward i think tucker is better but patterson is younger i think it's easier to find a 75 percent patrick patterson than a 75 percent pj tucker just because there aren't that many real reliable strong wing defenders that are out there but it's a really really close call but what i'm thinking about is like when we did that free agent preview and we 
went through the bigs. There are just so many guys that aren't as good as Patrick Patterson, but are closer there. And the wings are just bereft. Yeah, that's a good point too. Let me ask you this. I mean, we've been talking on the assumption that Lowry gets the full max. Maybe, you know, there could be, we expect that he'll have full four-year max offers elsewhere, which would be over $150 million for four years. So maybe, you know, they could go for five years, 175 or something like that, and he might still come back. Uh, That's That's what they did with DeRozan. Right. Although DeRozan was, was closer to the absolute max that he could get even than that. But, you know, maybe he takes a five-year deal that's still, you know, way more in guaranteed money than the other suitors can offer over four years. Let's say you're Toronto ownership, and I'm saying ownership specifically here, not the GM, because this really is an ownership question. And this is something that we've talked about for a long time, that it's really ownership's responsibility to say, what is the goal of owning this team? What do we, is the point to compete is it do all is it championship or bust is it make some money is it just like give our fans good time is it like avoid being absolutely terrible uh, you know all of those are, are legitimate questions but just for your own personal preferences if you're the toronto owner would you green light the re-signing of lowry and bringing back this team knowing that your chances of beating cleveland are, are pretty low but your chances of winning 50 games next year are probably pretty good if it were me i would not because the pathway not only to winning a championship Championship, but the pathway to making the NBA finals is tough because remember that Boston is not, you know, they're maybe not that much better than Toronto, especially considering Lowry missed that time, but they have a lot better future assets than they, than the Raptors do. And they also have cap space this year. So you're dealing with that and all these other rising teams. So the other just elephant in this room is maybe not this year, maybe last year, I think might be the better example. If that is the high watermark, not the expectation, it starts to get scary because these players are going to age out. They're going to get worse. This team is going to be prohibitively expensive. You're not going to be able to get out of those contracts. So if it were me, and I also trusted that I have a good general manager and a team that is drafted incredibly well, I would look at that writing on the wall and say, I don't want to be that team, but I will never, ever, ever blame an owner for seeing, let's say, last year and taking that as the high watermark and saying, I'm happy to roll that for another three, four years. Yeah, I mean, and ask fans in Orlando or Sacramento or even LA if they wouldn't want to trade places with Toronto over these last four years, even if it means. But I mean, the the thing is, maybe you keep this going for another year or two, and DeRozan is pretty young. Maybe he can take even another step forward. You know, we keep, this is now the third year in a row that he's gotten better than we ever thought he could be um now all that said if this team had played in the playoffs like it played in the regular season these last few i mean this is four years now this team in the playoffs where they have underperformed in particular on offense and their stars have underperformed if this team had played like they played in the playoffs and just you know they came up against a better team but at least like the guys did what they'd been doing then I think I would be willing to bring it back and just say, hey, maybe we can hang around. We can kind of be like the Mavericks in the late 2000s, early early 2010s. But those that those teams had to Dirk Nowitzki, right? And Lowry, DeRozan just have not been able to perform in the playoffs the way that Dirk performed year after year. Or So I, I really don't think there's just no way to even delude yourself in the slightest way that they could ever even make the finals with this group. You know, unless LeBron James got injured and nobody else in the East was good this year. I mean, because I mean, they almost lost to like Milwaukee. You know, I mean, they they almost lost last year to like two teams that were totally mediocre. I mean, if if Hassan Whiteside doesn't get injured last year, they probably lose to them. So I, I think it, with that being the case, it's hard to bring all these guys back. Uh, because all right, maybe you win fifty games the next two years if you're lucky until Lowry really falls out, and then you're gonna have a lot more pain after that than you would if you just don't re-sign Lowry and you re build right now because you're looking at now three years of not winning 50 games and having 40 percent of your salary cap tied up in a Kyle Lowry who probably won't even be a starting point guard anymore after the next two years that's like that's too much of a hit for me to take to be willing to deal with you know winning 50 games but probably losing in the first or maybe the second round these next two years so I think I would just go the total rebuild try to move to Rosen while you can I mean his value will probably never be higher he's got that long contract too um although finding a for him as Zach Lowe noted is, is kind of difficult given how because he can't play defense or shoot threes so teams that need a ton of creation is kind of tough to say maybe Orlando might be one for him but uh and to get value back it might be difficult nonetheless that would be the direction I would go um 
Anything you want to say to that? Yes, I will be unequivocal about this. If Toronto does not want to pay Kyle Lowry his next contract, they should trade DeMar DeRozan before the start of next season because he is good enough to ensure, if he stays healthy, that they will not be able to get a good enough draft pick to really build the next good Toronto team. And I have faith that their front office can do that. But you can't get on the treadmill. Like, you don't you don't fall. You fall all the way down. You don't fall under the treadmill of mediocrity. That's just not the way this works. And and DeRozan and Valanchunas to a point, you know, if you have those two guys together, plus, you know, Norman Powell, Dwayne Casey's going to coach these guys. They're going to try hard. You have to really commit if you're going to do that. And that's going to be really painful. Like if you go from- well, Hold on, hold on. You, you, you mentioned Casey. What if they bring everyone back and they try a new coach? Could that maybe be it? Maybe like the, a new coach could instill more ball movement and get more out of these guys offensively. Is that possible? I don't think that makes them that much better. I mean, what, is, what does that mean for yeah. like DeMar DeRozan? You know, he still has the same limitations. You can't, you can't fix that you can't fix him fix him being a shaky shooter not trusting his jump shot from three and being a bad defender like you can maybe you can tweak one of those just by getting older and working on your game but they could be better than they are but being better than they are with their current talent is not enough to reach the level where you start to reconsider this it's possible and i think that they should consider that if they want to go the lowry route but the other problem there is i don't know who that home run coach is you know this isn't a year where there's that free agent where there's somebody on the market where you're sitting there there's going, no oh, Stan Van Gundy type of guy. No or Dan Tony. Tony. Yeah. yeah. And so those those coaches, yes, if that person was available, absolutely. And that, and that person also didn't want personnel control, which is becoming right. a more and more popular thing. And I don't think Doc Rivers is that guy. So yeah, if, if, if the silver bullet was there, then you would consider that differently, but it isn't and it's not. And so I, yeah, if it were me, I would, I would go in that direction, but that's not what I expect. I don't expect the Raptors to do that just because telling your fan base, you you know, that that full Jurassic Park telling all those people no is tough. It's tougher. It's tougher to do. And it's their money. They can do what they want with it. But the problem that they're going to have is they're going to be stuck with it once they commit to it, because if they give this one and it's going to be a lot of their money too. like this is to keep this team together and even keep it like the level that they've been at the last couple of years. I mean, they probably got to bring back Ibaka, one of Patterson or Tucker. Uh, Maybe they can move some guys and then you have to you're hurting your long term competitiveness if you have to give up a player like right or joseph or pertle or something like that uh and now you're paying i mean even if they trim they're going to be in the luxury tax next year it's almost impossible to imagine that they wouldn't be if they bring back lowry so now you're paying a ton of money that makes it even less palatable and i think you know Masai has kind of wanted to do this like remember that this raptors team was an accident they were about to tank trade lowry to the knicks that fell through they traded away rudy gay and all of a sudden they just started kicking ass in 2013-14 and won 48 games that year and were really good um so it's i think Masai has earned the right to kind of make this decision if he decides hey you know what like we're just not getting there we got to rebuild let's try and make it a quick one uh that that might be the way to go another small note here is that norman powell is only one year away from a pay raise too so he would still yeah he'd get a bump when Damari Carroll, if he's still on the team, Valanchunas, if he's still on the team, are still getting paid. Yeah, I mean, and Ibaka, if he's got four years over twenty million, that's probably what it's going to cost for him. Um, you know, Lowry. I mean, like those those guys are all going to be on there when these young guys that you wouldn't be able to afford to keep them. I mean, and, and the big thing to me, it's just I'm not saying blow it up because hey, you're not winning. If it wouldn't have such a cost in terms of both like present and future cash, and also just like going to have to go through a very long nadir whereas now if you just maintain a lot more flexibility and move some of the move to Rosen like you can conceivably say all right you know two three years from now maybe we're back into it with a, a, a exciting young team on the rise if they keep Lowry you get two years of 50 wins and then you probably got like four five years of being really bad as a result of that so I think with that pain on the end that's what I'm trying to avoid while blowing it up more than just like oh well you know every team that's not an immediate championship contender is worthless blow them up uh, let, let's get through some of the uh minutiae here non-guarantees and we mentioned the four free agents who is non-guaranteed uh and that they have to make a decision on for this team norman powell and fred van vliet both of whom i think we both expect them to to pick up those guys are both worth their contracts as powell is a potential starter van vliet is likely a third point guard yeah and then they also 
have a player that they acquired and trade quite some time ago actually played for them Nando DiColo who has blossomed into maybe the best player in Europe but I think he's 29 now they have his early bird rights uh, as a restricted free agent they've been making him qualifying offers every year that he hasn't taken but he re-signed for three more years last summer with with uh, Sheska Moscow and they also have plenty of point guards uh, on this team I think he would be better than probably Joseph or he's he's a good combo guard can shoot it nice passer uh, he's definitely an NBA player for sure probably like a lower end NBA starting point guard high-end backup and so maybe that if there was a team that really wanted to pay him and he could get a buyout from his Moscow contract maybe they could sign and trade him and get like a second rounder or something but it, it seems like especially at his age now he's got two more years so I don't know if he's ever going to return to the Raptors and you know he obviously left because they didn't make him a suitable contract offer to begin with back then so there can't be a ton of uh, goodwill there uh what's going on with their draft assets they have the Clippers first instead of their own. The Clippers first is better. They were able to give the worst one for Ibaka. So they have the 23rd overall pick and no second rounder. So, you know, that's a nice little asset considering how well they've drafted. I think they could do well with it. Yeah, and they have all their own first moving forward, missing seconds until 2019. Danny, do you recall the trade that got them that Clippers first rounder? Yes, that is the Grievous Vasquez trade. Yes, Grievous Vasquez in the last year of his contract was traded for that first rounder, which was uh, that first first rounder has been the subject of two lopsided trades because uh the Clippers gave it up to jump dump Jared Dudley on the box and threw a first round pick along with it um what does this team need to get better guys who can shoot yeah I agree I think that's it's as basic as that and I would like, say give me someone that you cannot leave under any circumstance like they have a lot of guys who can shoot I need like guys who like are going to make uh and maybe like guys who just move the ball who are like smart players they don't really have any smart players on this team like offensively like who can move the ball who can pass who can drive and kick kind of keep the spacing train running of course though they really have no assets i mean maybe if they can dump enough salary they might go to the mini mid-level and they could give out a three-year contract starting at five million a year which is what the new mini mid-level is going to be but if they're deep that deep in the tax you know they really want a green light you know paying 30 million in cash 35 million in cash to add five million in salary their team probably not so i'm thinking they're probably going to be limited to like you know the minimum two million dollar a year guys uh, unless of course they blow it all up and then you know we're we're probably too far in the weeds at that point to really discuss it that well who do you like for them as potential fits uh, considering those constraints i'm not sure they would take the tax pyramid level but for the power forward spot the two guys i thought of were anthony tolliver and Arison Ilyasova. i thought those guys yeah. would both be interesting yeah tolliver i imagine that Sacramento is probably going to just pick up his guarantee. Uh, he's due eight million next year, and I think two of it is guaranteed. So, uh, but he'll be a free agent if that's the case. I think he would be good, but you know, again, he might be too expensive for them. Even um, Mike Scott is you know another guy who's kind of more of a shooter than a maker but hey you know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel here um and, and again this is saying hey maybe they lose uh one of tucker or patterson and, and then maybe carroll as well i mean then they're going to be pretty darn thin on the wing you're asking uh powell to start at the three at that point so maybe someone like tabo cephalosha i'm not sure what his market is going to be anthony morrow who you know of course we i mean him next to DeRozan will be atrocious defensively uh but you know again they're scraping the bottom of the barrel and just having one one guy who's just an absolute money shooter maybe could help open things up for them uh reggie bullock if he doesn't get a qualifying offer as a restricted free agent uh Derek williams as a, a combo forward type terrence jones i mean that's kind of the level we're talking about here i, I think and some of those guys might even be too rich for them. Something else I want to mention for them was the idea of using not their cap space, but maybe just like a minimum spot and a roster spot on a reclamation project. The two guys I thought of were KJ McDaniels and Christian Wood as just basically trusting the 905 and basically seeing, okay, this guy is yeah. a physical talent. Maybe we can find something. And if those players potentially, you could even sign them to a team friendly deal and say, you know, yeah, kind of I don't know like, if they even, I don't think they even can make KJ McDaniels go down to the 905. 5 anymore he's got three years of experience already well you would be doing it with the idea i think i don't think you'd be doing that with leverage you'd be doing that as kind of your pitch yeah. to them is basically saying hey we're going to give you a pathway to potentially being an nba player and it's it's a possibility i'm not saying it's it's definite or anything like that and they've done a good enough job finding those guys as undrafted free agents or late picks but that is another way to derive value without taking a ton of space is trusting your development staff all right we'll be back after this we're going to do some paul george fake trades with the 
the Indiana Pacers. But if you want to see these free agents next season, or whether they're traded or with their current team or whatever, SeatGeek is the way to do that two awesome things about SeatGeek that will save you a ton of time. You always get the best deal on every ticket because they compare prices for you by searching multiple ticket sites. So you don't have to go to eight sites and then worry that the ninth one will have a cheaper deal. Now it's all in the SeatGeek app for you. And then the second thing that's awesome about SeatGeek is they help you get the most bang for your buck because they give each ticket a grade based on value. So you can see any underpriced seats. If you want to pick your section, you can go into there and just pick the seat that they've ranked is the best value and now it used to be a 20 minute process to find tickets now you just let SeatGeek do the hard work for you and you've got your tickets in two minutes and it wouldn't be a dunked on ad of course if you didn't get a discount for entering that promo code cap space you do that and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you have made your first SeatGeek purchase so once again the way to get started with them download the SeatGeek app go into the settings tab click add a promo code enter cap space and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase and you'll have supported the podcast because you told them that you came from us. So let's get right to it, Danny. We can talk about what they'll do if they retain Paul George. Just give me some Paul George fake trades. So the biggest challenge with dealing with Paul George and all of this stuff is the idea of security because he has a player option after the 2017-18 season, the upcoming season, and he can't sign the designated veteran extension with anybody else we if he doesn't get all nba this year then you know then then he could theoretically you know they could do some stuff with with the pacers but he can't do that with anybody else and unless he expresses an a willingness or an openness to commit that would probably have to be wink wink nudge nudge you have to treat him as a rental for trade purposes do you agree with that i do unless uh you know the lakers where he supposedly wants to stay although even them i mean remember dwight howard wanted to stay with them too you know so and they didn't have to give up that much to get him as it turned out but nonetheless spending an entire year with the lakers might make him uh might disabuse him of any of these notions of really wanting to lead them back to glory we'll make the assumption for right now that he does not make all nba this season he could however make all nba next season which would also make him eligible for that designated veteran extension and or actually he would just get it as a free agent and if that were the case the pacers still would have an enormous incumbent advantage in re-signing him they could offer him five years over 200 million whereas the competing teams could only offer four years and a little over 130 million but you're rolling the dice there that he makes an all-nba team next year and in a lot of ways you're rolling the dice that you yourself can improve the team enough so that they're good and that boosts his stock for being an all-nba player because you know if you're kind of right around 500 again the chances of him making all-nba are quite lessened but all right enough of this here I, i yeah go ahead and the stock of forwards is not exactly getting thinner, considering, you know, Durant no. missed time this year. Giannis is going to be building. Jimmy Butler is going to be building. So yeah. the yeah. team Kawhi that has... Leonard, LeBron's not going anywhere. Draymond Green's not going anywhere. Right. But, okay, so I think the, the most logical suitor, because they have so many assets and a present, you know, they're good now, would be the Boston Celtics. The Celtics, of course, are tough because we're doing this before the lottery happens, so we don't know the value of that pick. If I were Boston, I would be far more comfortable including the 2018 Nets pick instead of the 2017 just because of the idea of you know that this pick is going to be top four you don't know exactly where it's going to be right now the 18 pick and so I think you could and, and even including that for a rental is a lot you know like that you're giving up yeah the- well so so all right you're you're Danny and you get I mean let's let's do this like mock trade deadline style so Boston give me give me your best offer the, the biggest offer you would be willing to do Paul George has said hey you know if I like it here maybe I'll resign but no guarantee and assume that Boston makes it to the the East Finals and gets destroyed by Cleveland. I don't think if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm going to give up any of the Nets picks. I would easily, happily, enthusiastically. All right, throw well then, in- then we're done here. Forget it. Not doing it. Would you, you put it in for pick. fun as Boston? Yeah. Maybe if I could also sign Gordon Hayward as well. Like if I could just get so good next year. Like if I, because if they bring, add Paul George to just this team and, you know, maybe the number one pick this year uh, or, you know, even the number four pick, whatever it's going to be, that guy's not really going to help them that much next year. 
I don't think that's enough to even think we're getting by Cleveland, much less the Warriors for the championship. And then we got to extend Paul George. We got to extend Thomas. We're done with flexibility. Those are probably both going to end up being bad contracts by the end. Uh, We've given up one of these Nets picks. Who knows if Jalen Brown has really got star potential and and Paul George, of course, could leave after that one series and we lose to LeBron James again. Uh, We do have a little bit of an advantage to pay him, but it's just, no, I, I, I don't think that I would. I mean, even the 2018 pick, I would think seriously about um and and that one is owned outright so uh maybe if there were some kind of protection involved but then the problem for indiana is they don't have another one of those nets picks so if it's top three protected now what do you get the memphis pick and maybe another another first rounder or something like that's that becomes difficult to do so uh, i don't i just uh, the contract situation with him not wanting to say he's probably going to resign makes it too difficult for me i i think if i were boston uh anybody else got some offers here for paul george the lakers are interested but we also feel confident in our ability to sign him as a free agent and also understand that trading for him now means that we basically have to give him five years you know we have to give him his full his full maximum not the designated veteran one but the full maximum when that becomes available we're comfortable paying that but you know it, it's just a consideration for us as well yeah as opposed you could get him for only four years because that would be the most you could get and lower raises correct yeah so even though we're very happy with where D'Angelo Russell is going in this process, we would make him the centerpiece of a trade to secure Paul George now. We could do that. We could also add in, we have plenty of salary filler, so he's the centerpiece. If you guys like Tarek Black as your backup center, we think he's going to be a nice piece. He's at a very reasonable, even non-guaranteed contract if you're looking for cap relief. And we're not going to throw in our own first round pick, but if you but if you wanted Houston's pick this year, that's fine. We have enough young guys so d'angelo russell houston's pick and like a Tarek black yeah just cap filler basically yeah yeah, I mean, I guess Boston probably could still beat that offer. But I think what I'm really coming to here, and I doubt anybody, I mean, the Lakers is where he would actually stay, and that's still all you're willing to throw in, but that's because you think you can just get him as a, as a free agent. Now, you could now, also, maybe you could you also make Julius yeah. Randle a part of this if you wanted, or Larry Nance. Like, those guys could be there. If they're really into getting him now, I just would be playing a little bit of hardball because of the idea of just seeing the other lack of suitors. Yeah, and of course, that Carmelo Anthony trade is always a lesson for that of the where the Knicks really gave up so much to get him when you know they could have just waited and signed him in free agency and, and added him to what was a pretty good core and you know maybe they they could have uh been a little bit better at least never would have been a contender still I don't think but uh, nonetheless um yeah I think it's tough like is that really enough for me if I'm the Pacers assuming he doesn't make all NBA this year to just like not wait him out now I guess you can also make the argument that hey do I even want to pay Paul George a five-year 208 million dollar extension he'll be 28 years old by the time that kicks in and so you're looking at 32 33 again not going to be worth it by the end might be worth it at the beginning but then we also get a little more information to uh, I think the other thing though that you have to worry about as patients we'll get into this is is there really a way at this point if you're Kevin Pritchard as Larry Bird has, has stepped down now is there really a way to get better enough that number one, he's likely more likely to make an all NBA team. And number two is going to feel like, Hey, you know, we're really in it. I think maybe you can, if they could shore up the bench and get a little more shooting and miles Turner makes another big leap. Maybe you can start getting into sort of the Washington Toronto strata in the East, but you're probably, if Boston adds to their team, Cleveland, like you're probably not going to be able to compete with either of those two teams and no guarantee that you're going to be able to improve the team that much in the offseason i mean you're you got enough problems trying to hang on to jeff teague and lose potentially cj miles as well or you have to re-sign him and now you do both of those things you're basically capped out uh you got just the mid-level exception and that's it if you bring both those guys back so maybe that's what finally pushes me in the direction of wanting to trade him because it's just like you, you know that you're not going anywhere um and there's also the question of timing do you do it at the draft do you do it in like august that's probably too late for some of these teams that would want him 
for this year uh and really outside of boston and the lakers there's no other team that could be trying to acquire him that has assets that indiana would be interested in where they'd be good enough with paul george to where he you would feel comfortable about him wanting to stay like a denver or a phoenix maybe could get in this but i mean even if you get him and don't give up too much other than future assets and neither of those teams or even philly right like that that might be another one but like you know are you going to be contending with paul george so that's why it seems like it's got to be either boston because they would contend or the lakers just because there's this idea that he would want to stay there as the reporting is indicated by sam amick and and others it's a really tough call i mean i guess like what you have to do as indiana is you just got to kind of create more internal leverage than external leverage because playing those two teams against each other is probably isn't going to work uh because both of them have very good reasons to just not make the deal to begin with so you just have to say hey you know we're willing to keep him and just try and get better next year and if we lose him for nothing we lose him for nothing but is it really are we going to get enough from these other teams that like it's really going to jumpstart our rebuild that much that it's worth just losing the chance of him you know trying to get better with him next year having a good year with him they could always also just try and move him at the trade deadline as well if things go really well that's the other thing too the Although problem, the problem with the deadline though is that as you talked about the supply is going to drop pretty precipitously especially with the idea then of getting very little value while he's locked in on his contract you know because you're you're basically hoping that one of those teams really needs a boost and that's possible you know but you're you're really rolling the dice on well, that or what if the, what if boston is going great and they're like hey we're we can we really could win it all this year we add paul george we're gonna be like in the nba finals this year or you know someone in cleveland gets injured and and it, it looks better for them i mean i i think unless i'm blown out of the water right now if i'm and if i'm indiana i'm gonna say all right you know what like let's see how our team looks this year we'll see if he's on his way to making all nba we'll see if we can you know get up to winning over 50 games again which i think is possible with the core that they have they can shore up some of their weaknesses and then you know is a crappy offer now i'm worried that a crappy offer is going to get crappier like that's not worth me not just like riding this out and seeing what'll happen because we could always re-sign him or we could always trade him at the deadline like you have those potential outs that is a bad offer now enough to make you pass up those potential outs i'm not sure the other thing like, we do have... you really want to fold the paul george hand right now and you still have those outs that's a great point the other possibility we have to acknowledge even though we can't probably project it is the idea of a serge Ibaka style just overvaluing from a team that makes no sense because that happens all the time you know like they're a team that just has a gm maybe that's on their last legs and says hey paul george he's the best guy that's available he might be able to save my job we have x assets we can do it i don't see see a clear fit for that this year but i didn't see orlando coming for serge Ibaka either so i can't write it off yeah i mean maybe like philly gets like four and six and they're just like hey we got enough young guys like you know let's trade one of the trade number four for him or, or they get like two and four or something and they're like all right we'll trade number four for him because we just we've got our, enough young guys to deal with already we'll we'll take a shot at it and we know we'll still we can't give you the designated veteran extension but we think we can have a really good year and then we'll offer you just you know the five-year 175 million dollar deal next summer you know maybe that could be something where a team that's just is bad is like all right you know we'll give you our top five pick that isn't the number one pick right now and then maybe you know they get more into it i mean yeah i mean what about for you if you're boston if would you trade the 2018 next pick straight up to get him no guarantee that he'll return i would much 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 rather have jimmy butler and use that as the centerpiece for him just because there's so much more certainty and yeah i i don't think that price would be that much higher for him no maybe not uh and you know maybe it could be the brooklyn pick and you know the memphis pick that's like eight six four protected or whatever it is uh the declining protection that starts in like 2019 i think um just because i wanted to get this snark out there i will say that i was disappointed larry bird stepped down because otherwise jordan clarkson would be a perfect piece in a lakers pacers trade given his his love of guys that create that, that use high volume of possessions all right let's say they keep george now let's get into this aspect of it how can they get any better let's do some housekeeping first we mentioned teague age 29 he you know they, they traded for him they they gave up george hill to get him uh what would you be comfortable re-signing jeff teague for he'll have about a 13 million dollar cap hold he's obviously going to want more than that but 29 pretty undersized 
don't think he's going to age well. No, you don't. I would be comfortable giving him a contract starting at about 16, and I am fully confident he wouldn't take that and would get a far better offer. Yeah, I might go as high as like four for 80. But again, you know, that's going to get to be a bad contract by the end. And your problem there is, let's say George leaves, now you're locked into that contract. But the good news is in 2018, they basically have no one under contract. Like Thad Young is a player option. Monte Ellis, the reporting is that they can actually cut him before he exercises player option for 2018 although they would have to do that before the playoffs start um paul george obviously can opt out so really the only guy they would have under contract is miles turner so if you had teague under contract for 20 million a year at that point like that's not the end of the world like you, you'll be pl- have plenty of flexibility to rebuild if george were to leave um what about cj miles what would you be willing to pay him at age 30 to return probably start around seven million i think that's about right seven eight million and something to remember with cj is that he's an unrestricted free agent and i could totally see him just wanting to leave considering there were points in this year where he seemed like the most logical option and the head coach who's almost definitely going to be their head coach next year still wouldn't play him yeah i don't know if cj really can be a starter i think he's lost a step he's struggled with injuries you know he might be better as a bench guy or you know as a 25 minute a game type of starter he actually has a player option which he will nearly certainly decline for 4.8 million next year he's, he's going to get more than that um they also have a few non-guarantees just to clean those up uh kaveen seraphin 1.9 million non-guaranteed and that's not till uh august 1st they got plenty of time to make the decision on him you imagine they'll keep him around as a third center type uh joe young hasn't really shown much i think he's already 25 i, I could see him getting caught he's at the minimum non-guaranteed uh they have to decide on him by july 1st so i could see them moving on from him rakeem christmas uh 50k guaranteed guaranteed uh august 1st i have in my projection that uh he would be waived just for that 50k maybe even stretched as well and then uh george yang who hasn't quite evolved into being the next generation jared dudley yet and uh glenn robinson glenn robinson certainly will be retained uh at basically the minimum yang i I think probably they would they would keep him around um so here are their their scenarios basically if they keep teague and move on from miles they would have about 15 million in space to work with if they lose both teague and miles they've got about 27 million to work with and with teague and miles both on the books they've got about 7 million in space and at that point you know you might as well just stay over the cap and and use your your, uh your full mid-level exception and maybe your bae which will, will be about uh three million this year uh instead of because the way it works is if you add up your exceptions and your team salary if that gets you over the cap then you don't have to be under so there's really no reason not if you're unless you're under the cap by more than the mid-level exception it probably doesn't really make sense to use cap space you just use the exception instead you have a little more flexibility that way right and the teague george calculus i think those decisions are heavily related because if you're even thinking about the possibility of losing paul george retaining jeff Teague doesn't make much sense because you're not going to be good and you're not going to be good for the duration of that contract and they're not exactly a viable free agent destination so even if you know some of those guys opt in whatever you're going to do that team isn't going to be good enough and what are you gambling for this is very different than the Raptors where we know they can be they can host a playoff series in the first round they can win a playoff series or two the Pacers have not proven that with their current core and while there are reasons to be optimistic about certain players they're the over overall package is not at that level and 15 million will help but i don't think it's enough to get them there what are their team needs i've got them they desperately need a shooting guard who's like a a three and d type of player maybe you know lavoy allen he has a team option for next year maybe they could move on from him uh that's four million dollars and then maybe you could try to sign like a jj reddick i I think he would be a great fit in indy offensively um to, to play shooting guard for him uh, that would be about 20 million a year. Again, you're going to have to lock into a pretty long contract for him, but I wouldn't say that he would be untradeable, um, you know, unless he gets hurt or something. He will be 33, which is a, a concern. But yeah, I mean, ideally they'd need like a three and D shooting guard because, you know, they're losing Miles and Monte Ellis, of course, is not that. I mean, Monte probably will just be your backup point guard, although I think they could use more of a pass first guy there too. That's uh, They got some other needs. They really need a backup power forward as well, like a backup combo forward. But as far as like three and D tech, there aren't that many of those out there I mean, is there anyone that you think they could like take a chance on i don't think you'd say that would you say that james johnson has enough of the three part to count 
last year he shot a little better and i do think like you know he's not really he can't play the two um and they really i mean if they got to start monte ellis at the two like they just they got big problems like they're not gonna be able to stop anybody uh and that's really i think the low-hanging fruit for this team is is getting better defensively well could you start um, paul george but, well you you feel like james johnson's more of a four than a three at this point uh yeah yeah so i mean paul george is already playing the three so you're talking about george starting george at the two and then you've got johnson and you've got thad young well that ideally, could be interesting. ideally you'd have another option there and so you'd start a couple of those guys maybe james johnson comes off the bench and you slide them around kind of a little bit fluidly there but it's an option i mean there just aren't many three and d wigs like this isn't really a thing that that there are many of i mean maybe maybe no. they consider somebody like like matt barnes but i don't even think he counts really no i mean at age 37 not exactly who you're looking for i mean i do think they also just need more passers and ball movers on this team like mike dunleavy i think could be like an okay fit for them off the bench maybe as a wing if his if he gets cut by atlanta he's got a, a partial guarantee uh they should our claim favorite guy him omri caspi yeah maybe that's right uh our favorite guy omri caspi you know i think would be a pretty good fit there um Kyle Korver w- would be a thought as well if he's st- he still wants to start um and maybe they just outbid Cleveland for him because Cleveland just is in the tax and, and doesn't want to pay him Luke Babbitt um, yeah I wouldn't like Lu- I-, I would like Luke Babbitt maybe as a backup for that that's not bad I-, I like that I mean they just have they had nobody who could even pretend to play a backup for uh, for this team uh in uh in that series against Cleveland so that that's what they, they really need I think the starting lineup if they could just like get a decent two guard could be like pretty good uh I mean Thad Young is good they can uh, George obviously Miles Turner is getting better Teague can still be okay um all right so let's say the plan is to keep George how big does the number have to get for Teague before you're like all right we're not doing this we'll just I don't care we'll find some other point guard replacement I think it'd be around 20. I think that's probably where the line. So 480 or something in the in those. They're, they're going to pay. They'll pay more than that, though. I mean, but I, I realize I asked you, but I think they, I mean, because there's just, there's no one else they can be sure of getting. You know, and maybe the market fatigue will be lower than everyone thinks because there'll be enough teams that draft point guards where it's just like nobody really needs Jeff Teague anymore. I mean, maybe you could see, I could see them like maybe going for like the Derek Rose reclamation project as well. Uh, maybe that would be something that they, 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 that would fit in with their philosophy. I don't know if that was Larry bird and they're going to abandon the get as many high usage points per game guys um i have a section in here of guys you would be afraid to see them go after and you can add derrick rose to the list of tyreek evans rudy gay and Dion waiters but that would totally fit in with like the signings they've made these last couple of years before i get into that i want to mention one other positive that i think would be fascinating if if the oh Sixers come wanted- on i was i'm trying i'm trying to like have some amusement here you're gonna go positive come on no just briefly all right all Gerald right Henderson, all right if the if the yeah. if the, if the Sixers pick up his non-guaranteed year, which they probably should, I don't think it would take a ton necessarily to separate him from the Sixers, and I think he could be a nice fit. We forgot to mention. I him. really like Gerald Henderson as a backup four at this point in his career. He can switch, hit threes just well enough. He's really strong. Doesn't want to play that many minutes because he has this hip issue. That's why his contract was so cheap. Um, but yeah, maybe they could trade for him. Uh, not give up too much, depending on who the Sixers are going to draft. Uh, although I think the Sixers really were happy with his defense and his his leadership and toughness this year other guys i would look at for them you know we mentioned tolliver i think dante cunningham would be an excellent fit for them as a backup for he might you know if you could spend four million a year on him maybe he would be like a good bae type of candidate depending on what other offers he had actually play him at the four instead of the three which he's played his whole career in new orleans um I think uh, Ursan Ilyasova, you, you mentioned for Toronto, I think, uh, although I think he'll be too expensive for Toronto, he would be a great fit as a backup for for this team. Also, um, a shooting backup five, like a Mike Muscala or, or Kelly Olenek, although I don't think Olenek will probably be too expensive. I don't know if Muscala will be. I think Muscala is probably going to be an underrated guy, although you could see Atlanta just retaining him with their full bird rights and, and his small cap hold. And then maybe P.J. Tucker is another guy they could look at too. Uh who would be a good backup for also play next to Paul George at times. Then maybe you could play, uh, you know, Tucker at the three and Paul George at the two and just, you know, really be able to switch a ton. Uh, that, that might be 
be something that they could look at. You know, you mentioned James Johnson in that mold also. I, I don't know how much I want to play Paul George at the two necessarily for big stretches, but that could be helpful. Um, oh, let's go back to the yeah. other one. I'm pretty offended that you didn't include Aaron Aflalo on that list because he seems like another. <laughs> I thought of him actually. Uh, yeah, he presumably will not have uh, his guarantee picked up by. Right, because he has a higher salary and a lower guarantee. So Yeah, th- than Tolliver does. Yeah. Yeah, Aflalo to me screams like the guy that that would have been another option like oh we can't play monte ellis there let's get Aaron follow he'll work his post-up game you, you is know, gonna be perfect yeah if the timing were better i mean they're probably gonna have to use their cash early but tony snell would actually be a great fit on this team uh as a restricted free agent so would joe Ingles. Uh, maybe tim yeah joe Ingles, tim hardaway i mean there's a uh maybe the ben mclemore reclamation project uh would be a possibility among the, the, some of those restricted free agents uh you know those guys are a little younger as well so then even if george ends up leaving you still you have something there that's that is potentially useful oh did you Um, did you have jeff green on your bad list no actually i think i i think he'll be cheap enough now that it wouldn't be the end of the world anymore and jeff green at least you know i think it's a backup four he's like he's not terrible maybe he is i don't know i I think we're still better than who they had last year one contract away from him being properly valued that's my instinct well at least they only he only got one year last year i'm trying yeah that'd be an interesting one i'm trying to think of prototypical bad point guards for them to for them to get with their stuff oh like uh ramon sessions would be like or brandon jennings oh Bra- oh my that god brandon like jennings a- on this team would be amazing Roddy Price, give Roddy Price more money. Oh, all right, I think we're starting to get a little bit too depressed here. That's about all we got. They don't really have any extensions coming up. Turner next summer would be the only one, but that wouldn't kick in until the summer of 2019. So they're pretty clean in that respect. I mean, at least that's the other appeal to me too. Is that hey, you know, if George leaves, we're, our books are going to be pretty open. And, and Teague, I'm okay with spending money on him. Even someone like Reddick, you still would have like 50 million in space next summer probably. And one other thing too about the lakers trade if you're put on your fake lakers gm hat again let's say that i'm indiana are you willing to throw in some more assets if i'll also take back uh luol dang or, or timofey mozgov oh absolutely would, would you give me like you know your 2021 20, first rounder or something and maybe you know another like a clarkson or some some other although clarkson's already making like 12 million 12 million a year so that's that's maybe clarkson maybe yes no 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 problems there clarkson yes uh the the late pick i think i would probably want some protection on it just in case of the worst case scenario and the lakers are experts at making sure that they can be within protection <laughs> it might be their greatest but organizational that, yeah. skill but that might be a way because Indiana, you're you're at that point, you're giving up on George. You're going to be bad. I mean, Turner is really your only good player at that point. You could probably move on from Thad Young as well. Uh, maybe he could even be part of the trade. Who knows? Uh, oh, I wanted to actually you, go a different direction. Also, are there teams? And I thought of Boston for this, especially with the reporting about Monte's potential contract, where you would be willing to take on like Monte's contract in order to facilitate the deal. If I were Boston, yeah, nah, because they're gonna they're gonna be in the tax. I mean, I really would try to avoid that. And Monte's contract, like, uh, what's the point of giving that up if if you're Indiana, you can just cut him at the end of next year and That's not have true. to pay that I, player I've been, option. I've always been thinking about it in terms of the way that, like, like the way I thought about Stucky that he had a player option, he was definitely going to p- get picked up. He was going to pick up, so that's different than the playoff, the the cup before the playoffs. Yeah, they still have Al Jefferson is still on the Pacers, by the way. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that because I was sitting there going, oh, backup center will be a nice thing for them to get. And then what? Oh, yeah, they're not going to do that. Yeah, at least the big Al is only guaranteed four million next year. So that's easily stretchable for them. But uh, yeah, but ne- next year, on meaning some salary, 18, 19, to be clear. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm thinking already of this year as like this summer. So um, yeah, but th- thanks for making that clear. All right, we're done here. I think we are. Uh, don't forget about our sponsors, Bull and Branch. Use the cat space code to get $50 off. They're awesome pair of sheets and they have that 30 day money back guarantee. So you can try them out. You don't have to take my word for it. And then, of course, SeatGeek, use the cat space code to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase via rebate. Anything else you want to say, Danny? You got any plugs or anything? I guess we should say what the Twitter show schedule is for the rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do the Twitter show and then I'll do my plug? Yeah, the Twitter show, 25,000 viewers today, by the way. Thanks to Twitter for helping promote it. Um, we're going to do at least the two remaining games 
Tuesday and Thursday of San Antonio and Houston and certainly a game seven if there is one and then maybe uh, game six on Friday night of uh, Boston and Washington as well and if you want to support that endeavor patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue is the, the way to do that and now Danny you have some plugs. so well obviously I have all my Warriors material so peace for the athletic every player for the athletic pod locked on Warriors podcast but the other the piece of very exciting news for me is that I am going to do my offseason previews for every team and the first one of them is coming out tomorrow it is on the or today for most of you and is on the Toronto Raptors but the exciting piece of news beyond doing them again is that they will be at Sports Illustrated and that's awesome that's for me. awesome and so that that it's I'm, I'm not a part of their like staff or anything like that this is a special series for them at this point but it's it's a life dream honestly for me and uh, this is the first anyone's knowing about it is fall it has been below the radar for a little bit and yeah it's going to be 30 already hammered out I think four or five of them and going to have them all out between just like these podcasts between now and the beginning of free agency yeah they needed a cap guy uh they're they're the la lakers of uh the journalism world um so i'm glad they picked you up for for right now all right uh we'll at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 